0: Well, good morning everyone. Um, Russell suggested that maybe I start with an introduction, or a brief introduction. So my name is Josh, I know some of you, many of you I don't know. Um, I'm married to a lovely lady named Diane, over there at the back, and we have three children, Anna, John and Timothy. Uh, we moved to this region from Alice Springs in the Northern Territory about a year ago, and. Uh, I worked in IT for about 11 years and now work as the general manager for a training organisation called the Lachlan Macquarie Institute. Before we start, I might just begin with a word of prayer. Lord God, we just pray that you would open the hearts and minds, Lord, of every person here. Pray that you would speak to us from your word this morning and that I would be a faithful instrument in bringing that to your people. Amen. Amen. Well, as we read through this uh, chapter 12 of Luke, um, Jesus is constantly bringing an eternal perspective to the people he's speaking to. Um, He sees that the people uh, listening to him, as well as us, who now get the benefit of reading from his word, have the same pressures as everyone else in this physical world. We're all a part of it. We can't escape it. We are physical, and yet... There is also a spiritual component to us. We have the same physical needs as everyone else. Yet for those of us who love the Lord Jesus, this world is not our final destination. In fact, we have an eternal home with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we all have a struggle. We know this life is fleeting. We know it's temporary. We know we're only here a few years. And yet... It's so consuming and present. It's just right there in front of us. Many of us have gone through things like financial hardship. We've gone through great success. We've gone through abundance. And in these times, it can be so easy to try and grasp a hold of something physical around us in which appears to promise hope, appears to promise security. Yet Jesus knew that we would all be ineffective, We'd be full of fear, we'd be full of anxiety if we couldn't grasp a hold of the truth that there is more than what is in front of us unless we lived with an eternal perspective that this world is temporary and passing away. In fact, that our citizenship is not here, but it is with him in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a really wonderful and exciting thing, and yet the question still remains, how do you live in this physical world on this earth, with all its earthiness and its struggles and its cares, and yet still maintain that perspective, not compromise? It's a big question, and it's a very difficult question, but obviously it's something that Jesus knew was incredibly important, because that's exactly why he was speaking to the people in his message So my first point is that we have to treat God as king and heaven as our true home. Ultimately, we have to know where our final authority lies. Does it lie here somewhere with men? Or does it, in fact, lie with our eternal creator and king? There's no way you can have a true perspective of things unless you understand your highest authority. Otherwise, you'll compromise because you'll keep uh, deciding that there is a, a higher authority in any given situation. Now, it's one thing to know something, or to think you know something, but it's another to put it into practice. And in fact, what you'll find is that when you put something into practice, it solidifies it in your heart and mind, and it becomes tr- even more real to you. It's nothing like when something costs you something when you start understanding its real value. So, Jesus begins by commanding that we fear and serve God before fearing and serving any man. He uses very strong language. He says, God is the one who can cast into hell and that we should not fear those who kill the body and after that can do nothing more. But how does this play out? How are we to act and how are we to behave? Well, Jesus says, in no uncertain terms, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But... Everyone who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Very strong words. And yet we're not left to fend for ourselves in this. If we know the Lord Jesus Christ, then we have the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we're told that he will be with us and strengthen us. In fact, it says in verse 12, The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. It will be God speaking with you on your behalf. We're not of this world. 2 Corinthians 5 1-2 says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. This world is temporary. Yet we're commanded to acknowledge God in our eternal home, regardless of what the physical cost might be. Now, the the cost could be many things, and I, I hope and pray that many of us, none of us have to uh, experience some of the extreme physical costs that many people around the world do in our own day and age. Um, but really what this is about is that perspective. Where, where really is your authority? Where does it lie? What is your perspective on life? Is it a temporary realm that we live in, or is it all that there is? Now, you might have to um, expl- uh, share your faith with someone but more often than not nowadays, it's that you might have to make a difficult decision of not supporting something that you can't agree with in light of what God says. Uh, you might have to uh, take, take a difficult stance. Um, this could be in light of, you know, uh, sporting clubs that you're at, it could be your work, it could be friends, it could even be with authorities, as it talks about in this chapter. Um, I know several people in Australia already who have had to make that decision and lose their jobs based upon not uh, coming in line with a certain way of doing things that they just believed God was telling them they could not do that with their conscience. There's a a story from Soviet Russia that I was once told during the time when the Iron Curtain existed. Um, And uh, as many of you probably know, it was uh, illegal to worship together together as Christians, and yet many faithful believers did so anyway. Uh, There was a a group meeting together in a house, and uh, in the house there was, you know, 20 or 30 people worshipping quietly, and they were halfway through their service when two members of the KGB burst through the door. They were carrying machine guns, and they held up the church and basically said, we're here to put an end to this, and we will kill you all. However, we're feeling gracious today, and anyone who's willing to uh, deny that they are Christian and change their ways, reform from today, can leave. Anyway, uh, half the congregation vanished. They all walked out the door. And at that point, uh, they were left, these two guards, with the rest of the the congregation, and the minister at the front said, well, look, take me, Uh, you can can kill me, but let, let these other people go and the two members of the KGB surprisingly put down their weapons turned around and said no no we're Christians as well but we wanted to sort out the goats from the sheep so uh, feel free to carry on we'll join you and they did and I often ask myself which would I have been in that situation the sheep or the goat it's a difficult question and yet those people who stayed had that perspective of who their ultimate authority was where their true citizenship lay are you ready to own Christ? even when it might cost you. And it is starting to cost people in Australia now. My second point is that we must invest in eternal treasure. Um, if we really have a heavenly perspective, then we will believe that real treasure is only, uh, is, is only in the place where our true citizenship lies, in heaven with our Saviour. Now, in Luke twelve fifteen to 21, you may remember it was read today, the summary of it is that there was a, a rich landowner, he, uh, his fields did incredibly well, he had abundance of crops, wheat, grain, and he thought, well, what am I going to do with it? He said, I know, I'll build bigger barns, that's the solution. And I'll store up all of my grain for some future time, and I will eat, drink, and be merry, and it will be fantastic. And uh, of course, as we know, what happened was that his soul was required of him that very night, He died. And Jesus said, Well, you know, what would happen to his possessions then? They'll be someone else's. What gain did they really give him? I mean, he didn't even get the gain of one night. That was it. And so, uh, as we read this, we have to remember that life is short. Our culture doesn't like this reality. We're told all around us that uh, not to think about death, not to think about what's coming. We're told uh, invest in the moment. We're bombarded with images, with news, with anything to keep us occupied other than thinking about the reality of our fleeting life. Psalm 144.4 says, Man is like a breath, and his days are like a passing shadow. All of us know people who have passed away, they've died. Many of us know young people who have died tragically, and we would have said they went before their time. And uh, Jesus says... If you're chasing the things of this life to fulfill you, if you're investing in possessions, if, uh, if you're investing in, in things which become your idol, then you're a fool, and you have a wasted life. It says, um, man's existence does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, um, Jesus also says uh, in Matthew 6:19 to 20, "Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy, and th- thieves do not break in and steal." Now, I want to have a small sub, uh, footnote here, which says, Jesus does not condemn wealth and possessions. He doesn't say it's wrong to possess things, but he says that man's existence does not consist in the abundance of possessions, that that should not be what we seek after as our goal and aim in life. Paul Tripp, a uh, pastor and writer from the USA, says, could it be that a desire for a good thing has become a bad thing because that desire has become a ruling thing? Now, what does that mean? Basically, it means that Riches and wealth or anything like that are not in and of themselves intrinsically evil or bad. They're not uh, intrinsically good. All it is is that something which is in, a, in itself not a bad thing actually ends up becoming a bad thing because of the desire that we have for that thing. It, it surpasses our desire uh, for serving our Lord Jesus. So a small footnote there. Um... In verse 33, Jesus says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you treasure will have your heart. Do you treasure things of this world more than you treasure your relationship with God? More than you treasure... um, the people that he's put in your life. We've all experienced this, I do as well, a pursuit of possessions. It's, uh, they're just there in front of us. It's, uh, it's so hard. I, you know, I, I struggle with this as much as anyone else. And we are, I ask, when, when will we be content? When we own that house? When you own a certain amount? When you have that car? Maybe when you have children even. What is it that you're holding on to in this world to satisfy you Paul says in Philippians not that i am speaking of being in need for i have learned in whatever situation i am to be content i know how to be brought low i know how to abound and in any and every circumstance i have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 11 to 14. Jesus commands us to lay up our treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not spoil and thieves cannot steal. So I guess the, the question is, what are treasures in heaven? I mean, some commentators and uh, several people think that they're actually literal gold crowns and jewels, <laughs> things like that, you know, a few uh, more gold paving stones. Um, but I think that there's probably... There's some other uh, thoughts on this, and I, I would probably fall more in line with these, which is that um, I think uh, it's said well. I'm going to do a movie quote here, but from Gladiator, those who've seen it, Maximus Decimus Meritus, the main character, utters some famous words which say, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And although I don't think Russell Crowe's is an expert on the afterlife... Um, I do think that those words still do ring true. That That's really a lot about what this passage uh, talks about. The fact that things that we do in this world, anything we do in this world, which has an echo in eternity, when, we obey, when we, we obey God in something. I mean, the most obvious example is where someone accepts God as their Lord and Savior and they become a follower. They are going to live with him in eternity. But also, we're told that our spirits can be renewed day by day by the washing of the water with the Word, in Scripture, and our spirits are eternal. We're investing in eternity. Investing in the spiritual growth of others is investing in eternity. Whenever we obey God in anything, it's investing in eternity in some way. Recently, I was uh, bemoaning the impossibility of ever owning a house, as I'm sure many other young people do. Uh, in the current housing climate. Um, I was feeling defeated by the enormous costs. Uh, I started, unfortunately, doing some calculations, which was probably not a great idea on how long it would take to pay off a mortgage. And uh, once I was thoroughly discouraged, uh, I stopped and I actually realized that I had started to set up the goal of owning a home as my hope and security for the future of our family. And I realized that actually that's the wrong perspective. Owning a home's a good thing, and it's not something that we should, I, I'm not going to aim for. I, I will still aim to own a home. But, in fact, I'd started to make that the source of my hope uh, in the future. And as I thought about it, I realized the perspective was all wrong. In fact, what if God asked me one day, say I bought a home, I fully paid it off, what if he asked me to give it up? The apostles were homeless for most of the latter part of the New Testament. And once again, owning a home's a good thing, But as long as it doesn't become the idol and the pursuit of this life. So my question to you is, where is your treasure? What do you invest in? What is it that has your heart? Because where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. My final point is that we must seek God even before our physical needs. And this might seem strange, but I'm going to... I'll start with a, a, few, a, a few quick points to paint a picture. My, did you realize that God was... Uh, sorry, that Jesus was fully man. He was fully God, yes, but he was fully man. In John 4, 6, it says Jesus was weary. He was actually physically tired, exhausted. He needed a rest. In Luke 4, 2, it says Jesus was hungry... He'd been 40 days and 40 nights without food in the desert. He was really hungry. He was weak physically, just like you and I if we were not to eat food for a while. In John 19, 28, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said, I thirst. He genuinely was thirsty. Even in the hour of his death, when he was hanging on the cross, his physical needs were still there and he was still human. Now, why am I saying this? Well, I guess I want to start by saying that although we should, treat, uh, we should um, seek God before our physical needs, the trust in that is that God totally understands our physical needs. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin." Now, often when we hear this passage, in fact, what we hear is that uh, this is all about temptation, which it certainly applies to that predominantly, but in fact, it says that he's able to empathize with our weakness, and in part of being human, we have physical weaknesses, we have frailties, and Jesus experienced all of these things, so he totally understands them. He understands us better than we do, physically, as well as emotionally and spiritually, so as we read in Luke 12:22 to 34, God knows your need for the basics of life. He knows you need food, drink, clothes, housing, all of those things. Jesus speaks of the birds of the air that they neither sow nor they reap. He speaks of the flowers of the field and says they were arrayed even, more, even better than Solomon in all his glory. And then he finishes it with saying, but of how much more valuable, how much more value are you than these things, the birds, the flowers of the field. You are of great value. God cares. So, certainly doesn't mean that there won't be difficult times. It doesn't mean we might have a lack of food, probably less likely here in Australia, but um, we might have a lack of uh, finances, housing, all sorts of things, the physical cares of this life. Paul's statement included times of want. It didn't mean that God didn't understand what he needed at that time, but God sometimes gives us what we need, truly need, not necessarily what we want. I've often found that the times of the, the most growth in my life, spiritually, as, uh, is, uh, are the times that are the most difficult, times where I actually have to go through something really hard. So sometimes it might mean we have a lack of these things, but God still provides and cares Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for all those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. We're given a command by Jesus in his passion. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. We're told again, we must be seeking God and His kingdom, even before our physical needs, the basics. So the question I have for you: Do you do you prioritise your relationship with God beyond even your physical needs, your food, your drink, your clothes? Or here's probably a more difficult one: What about your sleep? I know I find that one hard at times. Uh, but that's what we're commanded to do, that, that we're to seek the kingdom of God even before those needs of ours. In fact, Jesus talks about um, himself. There's a, the lady at the well comes to him in John and, uh, and she talks about getting water out of the well and Jesus says, uh, I will give you water uh, which you'll ne- from which you'll never get thirsty again and it will become in you a spring of water welling up to eternal life. There's a flip of physical needs. A woman comes with a physical need of drinking water, and Jesus flips it and says, actually, you don't know the real water you need. I have that water. And that's even more important than the water you think is really important that you're about to pull out of that well. So, with that, I'm going to conclude and just ask you all, where are you investing Where are you investing your life? Do you see God as your true authority? Heaven as your home, God as your king? Is that the way you actually live? Or do you just know that in your mind? Is that the way that you prioritize your life? Do you invest in eternal treasure? Are you chasing the possessions and wealth of this earth? Or are you, in fact, investing in things which will last and things which will not be destroyed by moth and rust? Are you prioritizing your relationship with God? Are you seeking Him? Making your pursuit of God even more important than the pursuit of your physical needs? Because that's what we're called to. And I I believe that that's what it means to live with an eternal perspective. And with that, I might just pray in conclusion that God would really help us. I preach as much to myself as to anyone else here. I am (laughs) horribly human and struggle with all of these things each and every day.